What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. I'm really excited for today's show. We got a lot to talk about today. We'll be talking about the potential revealing of a main villain to be played in the Black Panther Wakanda movie. Uh, we know that uh, Tanak Huerta has been cast in that movie. There have been questions about who he may be. We are starting to get some answers to that, at least some rumors as to who that person will be. Um, so we'll give you guys the details on that. We'll also be talking about the future of Anthony Mackey as uh, Captain America, as as right now he is, Sam Wilson. Um, he gave a little bit of a timeline of how long we expect to see him holding the shield and in that red, white, and blue costume. So we'll give you guys our thoughts on that. I thought a very interesting detail revealed last week regarding Sam Raimi's inclusion, or his rather his, his, uh, his taking over the project, for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and what went into that ordeal. And I think a major detail um, coming out about that movie. So I'll give you guys a little bit on that. We'll also talk about the the decision from Warner Brothers, according to uh, LA Times, to release Blue Beetle as a HBO Max um, exclusive movie, which will pair with other what they call, quote, mid, mid-budget movies over at the DC uh, side of things. So... That move, that move has been met with mixed re, mixed reactions, to say the least. So, um, me and Kendall will talk about that, and uh, we got a new character, or at least a new superhero, appearing in the CW Arrowverse. He obviously is a character that we've seen in the show, but this will be the first time he'll be suiting up in costume. So, we'll tell you guys about that at the end of the show. Shamari is not here today uh, on this podcast, but we're sure we'll have him back next week. But Kendall, of course, my co-host is here today, and Kendall. It, we'd be remiss not to mention that we have uh, Loki, which dropped this week. We're doing our weekly episode recap once again, exclusively on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We just recorded our first video. Really excited uh, to talk about that series and some really good stuff. It seems like there's a lot of excitement around what people got to see on episode one. And the people who have gotten to, to see even the second episode in terms of the early reactions, all very positive so far. Yes, it is Loki week. Um, check out our review on YouTube when it's up, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big week for Marvel, um, and not long after that, next month, we'll be getting Black Widow, after that, we'll be getting, uh, What If, so, um, and, you know, I've seen some people not really understanding the Marvel calendar, but, you know, beyond, obviously, the movies that we're getting with, uh, Shang-Chi and, Eternals. We're also, as of now, slated to get Miss Marvel and even Hawkeye potentially at the end of this year as well. So um, it's going to be it, it, there's a lot more there's a lot more in the tank. But right now, it's the focus is on uh, is on Loki, and that's uh, so far living up to the hype. For sure, yeah. I mean, I'm happy that people are enjoying the show so far. And of course, again, uh, if you want to catch the re- our weekly in-depth recaps of Loki, please make sure to check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. That's where we post our full discussions because we don't want to, you know, bog down this podcast with that long discussion. So we post it exclusively, excuse me, exclusively on our YouTube channel, so you can catch that. Again, New Generation Media is where you'll find those discussions, and there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the show definitely, um, when it comes to kind of setting the table for what we can expect. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward definitely sets the table. So I think you're going to want to check out that show. 
And you're going to want to, of course, check out our recaps on YouTube. But I do want to start the show here talking about uh, a big story this week. This one comes from the Illuminati. So we've learned, we've known for a while that Narcos Mexico actor uh, Tanakh Huerta has been cast to appear in the movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm not sure if that's actually been officially announced by uh, Marvel yet, but it's been long known that he's been cast in that movie to play the villain. There were obviously, there's obviously a lot of speculation that perhaps this villain would be Namor. And we're now getting our first confirmation to some degree that perhaps that is indeed where Marvel is going. The Illuminati says that uh, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie will um, center around a conflict between Wakanda and Atlantis and that Huerta will be leading uh, the Atlantean forces as uh, Namor, uh, the Submariner himself. So, Kendall, we know Coogler has been, Ryan Coogler, the director, has has talked about the Namor character for for a while, you know, several times. He's mentioned him, someone he really liked to work with. It felt like the Atlantis, uh, Wakanda beef seemed, like, to make sense. It seemed to even to be a little bit of a tease in it uh, during the um, during the uh, uh, Avengers Endgame movie. And here we are with Illuminati, pretty good with their sourcing in the past, saying that we will indeed get our first introduction to Namor the Submariner in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kendall, initial thoughts. Um, so in terms of the idea of Namor being in this movie, uh, nothing new. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, you know, <laughs> not 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 something that we haven't talked about in terms of the idea that Namor might be in this movie, uh, or even the idea that name that Tina Huerta will be playing Namor. You know, we've talked about that on this podcast as well. Um. But I think it is interesting that this report is coming out now. Um, as far as we know, Black Panther hasn't they haven't shot anything for Black Panther. Um, we still there's still so much we don't know about the movie um, publicly. Really, a whole lot we really don't know sourced. At least yeah. not anything that's you know from any of the major trades. It's still very very cryptic and very very shadowy about what this mm-hmm. movie is actually about um and when i when i hear think about when tina Huerta was was cast as as black panther or as in this movie i don't know who you <laughs> we're assuming he was cast as namor um i i don't have the exact date i'm sure i could i'm sure i could find it really quick but it was a long time ago um he was he was cast, uh, it looks like, in November of 2020. and That sounds about right. Yeah, he was cast in November of 2020 to play Namor. To me, what this confirms to me is that I think Namor is going to 100% play a role in Eternals. And mm. I may go as far as to even say that the after credit scene in Eternals is going to... Maybe feature Tina Huerta, if not lead us into Namor's story in Black Panther Two, um, because I think about the time, the timing of casting Tina Huerta um, is around the time they, I would imagine, they would have been doing post production on Eternals. That's that's fair. Um, we know story wise, 
if if Namor, if it, we, there's been a lot of speculation that there may be a young Namor in the movie, and that the Atlanteans will play will play a role in the Eternals movie. That's not news necessarily, but if that's the case, then bringing Huerta in in November, saying he's going to be in Black Panther, but not saying he's going to be in Eternals, to me is interesting. Um, but I think I think I think we're going to get Huerta potentially in Eternals, but if not, then I think we're definitely going to get a young a young version of Namor in Eternals, and that that will lead into what we're getting in, in Black Panther 2. I mean, I, I feel like that would make sense, you know, given um, given where it seems like the Eternals are going. You know, again, they said they only appear when, you know, true threats arise, and to me, uh, Atlantis, I'm sure, having not really made themselves known from the time we've been watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the earth is dwell- to the surface dwellers all this time. To me, there, there, there had to have been other previous conflicts that would have happened that maybe the Eternals would have had to maybe intervene in. Or just the fact that Namor, because of that, may know who the Eternals are and things like that. So that could certainly make sense from that standpoint. Um, I want to focus a little bit more on just like, for me what this means for the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie now that Chadwick is gone. And I know some people may say, okay, we're focusing on this Chadwick Boseman Black Panther situation a lot, but I don't, I don't think you could talk about it enough. I mean, again, he's he played, you know, an iconic character that is beloved, and they're saying they're not going to recast him, so that means someone else, will, we assume, will have to be the Black Panther someone you know who either we've been introduced to or someone we haven't and i just wonder to me like when chadwick passed the first thoughts are just the sadness of it but then when you get beyond that you know we we knew for a long time or at least we were rumored for a long time that you know this next showdown will be a showdown with the atlanteans and namor i i do wonder if if bringing namor in now not facing t'challa will have the same impact same you know the same just the same vibe or the same energy that we were expecting for this you know mega showdown and it's no disrespect to whoever may take on the mantle as black panther but i i kind of wondered if, if that would if that would maybe make ryan go a different route because you know so much of this movie i would assume would have to be handling whatever is however they want to handle chadwick's passing Namor is not someone I want to be an afterthought. I'm just saying, oh, this is just a guy we're going to throw in there while most of this movie is dealing with the obvious fallout of of, uh, of not having T'Challa around anymore. I, I want him to be a forefront. So to me, when you had T'Challa involved, it was very much a, uh, you know, kind of like a, a Clash of the Titans. Now, a lot of the movie has to focus on this other aspect that really doesn't involve Namor too much. And I don't want to necessarily see him get thrown in where we're more focused on who's going to take over the mantle of the Black Panther. So I, that's just, you know, I, I want to see Namor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I wanted to see him in a Black Panther movie. I'm not saying this can't work at all, and I trust Coogler a lot, but I, I, I did pause when, you know, Chadwick passed, when we started talking about the future of Black Panther and Namor, and I just wondered if, if it made sense to still go that road. But apparent, it appears that that's the way they're going to go. Now it's about, you know, executing it in that manner. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a really 
really tight rope to walk if you're if, if you're Marvel. Um, if you're Ryan Coogler, I mean, I don't know what kind of, you know, because it, it it goes both ways in that some people may say that you don't want to compromise the story if you have right. if you had a really you know, if you had a really good, obviously the story is gonna be it's gonna be different automatically. Obviously. Yeah, I mean the argument, I have the the kind of argument, the story is compromised. Like, yeah, exactly. If you, if you have to, you can't, you can't you keep the story completely. Yeah, exact. if you have to, if you have to introduce the idea of T'Challa's death or T'Challa not being there, yeah, your 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 story is already compromised. So right. then the question becomes: Is it makes sense to move forward regardless of that? Right. And I don't know. To me, again, T'Challa not being there is the most important thing about anything yeah. about and Black Panther. It's a major thing. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that that matchup would have had much more juice than whatever we're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that's not to take away from, from whatever we're gonna get, but um, that is that. Yeah, that can't be that can't be overstated. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's still. I mean, look, they're still playing really coy. I mean, do you feel like so? How do you think they're going to? Not necessarily. How do you think they're going to go about story wise? Because I mean, that can go in a million different directions. But in terms of from a marketing perspective, how do you think they're going to go about this movie and the 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 and the the the, the transition to a new to a new main character? So that's a good question and and the more i kind of sit on this and think about this and think they're about gonna be ensemble? think about namor being included i i think they'd be way better served promoting someone as the new black panther in like the promotional appearance like i like right. to me i think and again that's gonna be very difficult because how do you explain not the child not being around but i think the more they kind of work that aspect of it out and the more that extends in the movie i think the harder it, it gets to, be, to make namor feel important like again it's crazy to say that because how what could be more important than the Atlanti, the namor being in this movie it's like yeah but again the title character is gone like that alone could be it's a whole movie where we're not even worried about namor or anybody else the only other thing would be unless somehow the Atlantis has something to do with it that's what i'm which, assuming if you're asking which, me what i'm assuming the story will be I think there's a a good chance. I'm, it's not a guarantee because again, the story can go in a million different directions. But yeah. I think there's a good chance that they tell a story where the Atlantes are involved in T'Challa not being there, right? And, Whatever capacity. And then now it's a, it's a and look, if you want to put Namor and Atlantis over, that's the way to do it. But then it's it's, it's so hard because then it becomes a touchy subject of you know, okay, like you know. Now yeah, having, that, that seems kind of tacky. You know, now we have a T'Challa job to Namor. Like when we know Chadwick's not here anymore. Like it's, and you know you want to move on to a new Black Panther. Like it, it's 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 like I feel like you're damned if you damned if you don't in many different ways here. So right. So that's just that's just gonna be um again like you said I think the best word for it is a tightrope to go through. I'm nonetheless I'm I'm happy that we're getting into this part of the cinematic universe where we're bringing in these new characters. It does. I, I just can't, I just feel like we're so close. Like, obviously I'm not going to talk about what we saw in Loki, but like you watched Loki, you watched this, um, you know, I know WandaVision teased us a little bit, but like, you know, you know, and Falcon and Winslow teased us a little bit, but I just feel like we're right on the precipice of like really opening up the floodgates to like so many new characters. And I just, we just need to get there. <laughs> it's just like, right. 
Like, we Trolls. need to see these other movies, hopefully have no more delays, and just get to it. Because I feel like the next phase of the MCU really is starting to rev up. And it's going to be really exciting. Charles Murphy claims that, and when he says stuff, typically it's it's pretty well sourced. He claims that the first mutant will be seen in 2022. And some people are taking that as Namor. Because technically, you could consider Namor a mutant on, on some level. I I, I yeah, still yeah, I think he technically he he identifies as a mutant. Right. I still look at Wanda, and you know he you know he someone mentioned Wanda on Twitter, and he said, oh well, Wanda, you know, hasn't been a mutant in the comics for you know a decade now. Yeah, it's for, like, all right, for a little bit of a while, exactly. You know, that's fair. Um, what about Quicksilver? You know, like <laughs> Quicksilver's a mutant. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that hasn't. I mean, given what we've seen in the MCU, I guess we're still supposed to assume that Wanda and Quicksilver aren't mutants; that they are uh, miracles, as they said. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm still not necessarily buying that. But if we're talking, if we're if we're playing that if we're playing that game, then Namor being the first mutant uh, seen in the MCU is another possibility. And I think that he would also be a pretty good first mutant to introduce. Like, I know that maybe some people may say, what? Namor's not a real mutant or X-Man. Like, I, I think considering his age, considering, like, his stature, like, to introduce mutants in this way and then somehow go into actually, you know, there's plenty of them, not just in Atlantis, but, you know, they're on Earth. I, th- I think that's a pretty great introduction. Like, I'm I'm cool with that. That's how they wanted to. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that you know he's gonna say, "Hey, I'm a mutant, everybody," but just kind of starting it with him. If you know, we talked about who would it first be? Would it be Magneto? Would it be Apocalypse? Would it be Charles Wolverine? Wolverine? Like to me, Namor is in that in that class that I think would also make sense. Um, if you would say, also by the way, this person also is the first mutant, and like we're gonna now start this story with him and kind of expand out. I'm cool with that as well. The first. The first day they say, or the first movie they say mutants, I mean, it, it's a wrap. Like, the floodgates will have completely opened. It'll be, it'll be all over the place. I I, I think they're going to utter the word mutants in Eternals. That's my guess. I, but, I think I tend to agree with you. Okay. You know? I think, I don't think I'm, I don't think I disagree. I think that. I, I think that if, if the word isn't uttered, I think that they will almost certainly uh, begin. They'll they'll begin the, the 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 process of understanding. It will be very clear that now we're walking into the the, the guise of mutants. Like when Ant like an Ant Man when uh they mentioned that somebody they could crawl up walls and you're like all right all right you know I don't know if this is Spider Man but it sounds like Spider Man. Yeah exactly. Yeah I think that's I think that's where we're going um with this. So uh, yeah, Namor bringing being in MCU, it's great news for everybody. Um, it's a win-win for all, and uh, I'm excited to see how they do it. But I do think it will be tricky. Let's move on now and talk about another to me a uh, big story that if we had done this podcast earlier or this happened later in the week last week would have been the definitely the top story. But um, I thought a very interesting article from Vanity Fair on just exactly the process that's going into this. Uh, Doctor Strange movie and, and things over there happening at Marvel. And one of the, the fascinating things that we got from uh, Michael Waldron, who, of course, is the, the, the head writer 
for Loki is uh, is the, is this idea that you know one the the, the connection between these movies to or these projects, but two that the Loki does mean the the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie was the script was completely thrown out and had to be rewritten from scratch when Sam Raimi uh, came on board. So uh, that to me, and I, and then to be clear, it was um, it was Robert C. Robert Cargill who wrote who had the script that was completely thrown out. Um, and then when Waldron and Raimi came on, Waldron of course works on Yuloki. That's when the rewrite happened. And uh, he said, uh, Waldron speaking about it said, "Quote: How do we just make a movie in two months? Talking about just like the the concept of everything changing and COVID." He said, "But with COVID quickly descended upon us, we're not shooting now until November fifth. So I got to spend my 2020 on Zooms with Sam Raimi. That wasn't too bad." Uh, he acknowledged that uh, Derrickson laid the foundation for the movie, uh, but that him and Raimi had to start from scratch on the script. So this, to me, is a massive development because it's, it's, I think, what we've been discussing from the very beginning when we learned that Raimi was coming on. Because the question was, why? It was so weird. Raimi has not done a major budget movie in a very long time. Um, and not just superheroes. I'm just talking about big budget movies. Period. He kind of yeah. like I, I didn't know he was still doing this. Like I, I, like I, I didn't know he has, and you should all check out any of the work he's done since then. But pretty much in Spider Man three, and he never got Spider Man four. He kind of just disappeared from like the major big budget movie game, which was bizarre because okay, one bad movie that didn't stop Michael Bay or a lot of people from making a lot more movies, and he's certainly a talented director. So there's no reason why he wouldn't have been on shortlist to do other projects, but he just wasn't involved. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, here he comes to take over for Dr. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a movie that had long been rumored to be linked to Spider-Man, the Spider-Man sequel that we didn't know was named back then. Then now we know Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think Kevin Feige may have said that this movie was connected to uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the Spider-Man movie. Uh, we obviously knew WandaVision was. And either way, like, the immediate thing was, okay, are you bringing in Sam Raimi coming off the heels of Spider-Man No Way Home coming out to expand further on this Spider-Man aspect and how this plays out into the MCU? Or, and, and especially if, you, if you're trying to build a story around Sammy Raimi's universe, who better to do that than Sam Raimi? Or is this just a guy that you think is good for the role? Because he has done horror movies, and that was supposed to be a horror. There's supposed to be horror elements to this Doctor Strange film, and did you know if I just think he was the right guy? It just, but it just seemed too, too like coincidental. Yes, that we know Spider Man is supposed to be a multiverse movie potentially, and we know Doctor Strange is a multiverse movie, and there's all these rumors about Tobey Maguire and Sony Spider Man people showing up. And then you hire Sam Raimi, the guy who birthed the Sony Spider-Man universe to begin with, to then do the Doctor Strange movie, which is coming after Spider-Man No Way From Home. It just seemed like that was weird. Uh, and then, you know, Derrickson kind of leaving, and they say his creative differences, which was just like, what? Okay. Like, that didn't seem to make a lot of sense. And now you get this word that this was a, a complete rewrite. So that means Derrickson and, and his team were working on a script. And working on a project that they had done, they, they had already approved and they were ready to move forward. And then at some point in the game, 
to me, it sounds like they pulled the rug from Derrickson. And they were just like, plans unchanged. And he said, all right, well, then I'm out. And I almost wonder if it was kind of a push-out situation because maybe Fivey knew Ramey was going to be the right guy to continue on to this mission that he's on moving forward. We don't exactly know what that mission is, but I think to me this is greater evidence that that mission is to connect more Sam Raimi, Sony, Spider-Man stuff to the MCU, and I think Doctor Strange is going to be a major, major vessel for that. That's my takeaway from this. I thought that this was big news that I think people were picking up, but I was surprised it wasn't actually being talked about more because we got no confirmation about where the script was or what the, the process was behind Raimi coming on. I hear they actually rewrote the script to the movie that's a a very intense thing to do especially as they mentioned a short amount of time to then turn everything around and make it work that sounds like hey we just signed on toby mcguire and these other guys but now to make this all work we can't do whatever we're gonna do with dr strange because that's not gonna make sense yeah yeah no i mean first of all i mean sam raimi doing marvel movies in 2021 tony la managing baseball games um, somebody <laughs> check on Bill Parcells, maybe see if we can get him to coach, <laughs> coach in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, like you said, this is quite the development. I mean, Scott Derrickson leaving the movie, uh, leaving Doctor Strange 2 was bizarre considering they had just announced him as returning for the for, for as com- at Comic Con, um, a couple of months before he left, it felt like, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, it, it it seemed like they already had a, a concept that they had that they were working on, and it seemed like it was going great. And then, like you said, all of a sudden, they, the rumor was Nightmare was going to be the villain. That was pretty much set, and that was blown up. And we we could tell it was blown up because a couple of weeks ago we talked about how Illuminati is reporting that Shumagorath is supposed to be the villain, and I'm like, that was not that was not yeah. the reports a year ago. There was the reports where Nightmare was the villain, yeah. and so because of that, we thought he was going to show up in WandaVision. So it was, it's clearly, clearly something, something changed. Um, and when you hear that they had to rewrite the entire script, not, not surprising, um, given what we've heard about the movie. I mean, America Chavez was not mentioned at all at Comic-Con, uh, was not mentioned at all in those first couple of months talking about the movie. Then all of a sudden Disney investor day. Oh yeah. We casted America Chavez, uh, going to be played by so-and-so. And it's like, America Chavez. When was she ever in? Yeah, but, yeah, and we and we heard about them wanting to include her, but never in a Doctor Strange movie. It didn't even seem to make sense. Like, wh- why no. is she in this mill? Like, you had like you had the Scarlet Witch, which was again interesting. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, obviously, you had uh, um, Cumberbatch, and you know Doctor Strange. Okay, those two make sense. You say America Chavez making a debut. I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah, they, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, Wardo's coming back. Christine yeah, Mordo's coming back. back. Like, all these yeah. people, okay, it all makes sense. Wong, you know, like, <laughs> it all made sense until you said America Chavez. And I'm like, all right. And we still don't have a villain. Like, they didn't yeah. know. We, we were only going off of reporting. So, yeah, I mean, clearly something is up with that movie. Um, I, will we'll, I don't know if we'll ever fully know the story uh, unless Derrickson decides to spill the beans on what really happened. I think uh, we'll know. You think we'll know? Um, I mean, Marvel does a pretty good job of kind of keeping, well, they have NDAs, but, but, so that's a big part of it. But even beyond that, they, like, even when things don't go great, they seem to do a good job kind of, like, just keeping everything in-house. So, 
is a probably a better chance that we won't know than if let's say Derrickson worked at Warner Brothers. But right. I, I feel like I also feel like in this day and age, creators, especially in Hollywood, are way more willing to kind of you know shoot themselves bail <laughs> by going to the media and talking about the project that they did or didn't do or why things yeah. didn't work out, rather than letting just like us just speculate. And kind of, or letting like the the film companies and the, and the people work behind the scenes, and you know trash their name or whatever. You know, like a, a lot of those people seem to want to get ahead of these things. You know, we see it with actors complaining about stuff, like you saw with David Batista. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. So I I think we probably will hear from him. There's a maybe a, a better chance that if anybody can keep him to kind of like be quiet, it'll be Marvel. But I think we'll hear from him at some point. We'll definitely. I'll tell you this: we'll definitely hear from them. This movie's bad. I will say that for sure. Yes, I agree with that. Because that's what I think Derrickson is also kind of, you know, if you're his, from his perspective, is that Marvel has such a high batting average. You know, so it's hard for you to come out and say, well, yeah, they they, they kicked me to the can because X, Y, and Z. And, it's like, yeah. it's really and, and do, you, do you agree with that assessment that, like, I did? Because you kind of just said it. Like, I kind of think they moved on from Derrickson. Like, I feel like, I don't want to say he got fired, but... I feel like they want to do things very differently, and I mean they had to know there was no way he was at the very least do this was a very what they mutual, wanted. This was, a, this was a mutual parting of ways. Yeah, um, I mean, and he may have been cool, like yeah, I don't want to do that, so yeah, let's go. But but, but like, I think they they I think that they realized very quickly that like they had a guy in mind who would make more sense to do this film. And I I feel like something changed in the Marvel. The the overall landscape of what Marvel wanted to do, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the multiverse stuff. And I think I think I like, think things could have very well changed from whenever Sony and Marvel signed exactly. their new deal. Say, I think this goes beyond that specific story. I think yeah, Marvel has an overall roadmap mm-hmm. that again something, and you you mentioned quite possibly could have been a Sony and Disney discussion, but something changed. Where the roadmap had to be altered, and because the roadmap had the roadmap to X, Y, and Z had to be altered, Doctor Strange had to be altered drastically. And that's the movie where, if you're talking about multiverse, because it's not like Spider Man was wasn't involved in Doctor. What it's not like the Spider Man movie and WandaVision were never connected to Doctor Strange when Derrickson. Because when Derrickson was announced, they said, "Oh yeah, Spider Man and." WandaVision are gonna are, are gonna are gonna tie in. That wasn't it wasn't like that was news, but I think I don't know if the plan for Spider Man three was always what it is now. And that's my question. And it's funny but, you say that because we you know remember it was reported by the Hollywood Reporter that Benedict Cumberbatch was returning to Spider Man three as Doctor Strange. I feel right. like we've heard zero about anything involving that since Marvel's never announced it, Sony's never announced it. Um like I think it's oh, I, I want yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things that maybe they wanted it to they wanted it to be out there, but I think they then they wanted it to just not nobody talk about it cuz I think that his role in this movie is going to be crucial and I think that it, I think they realize people like us are very clearly going to put together very obvious tea leaves. Yes. You know. Yeah, I, yeah, the, I mean Cuz isn't that weird that like we like 
Benedict Cumberbatch being Spider-Man three is a huge story, and it was a, they 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 this was a, reported first by Boris Kitt in October, and we've heard zero about anything about that since then. I know we haven't heard a lot about that movie, but nothing <laughs> like that, that. Just and we're not talking about Jamie Fox. We're not talking about Alfred Alfred Molina, even though he's talking, he's not supposed to. But like we're talking about a guy who's who works for Disney, guy who's part of the team. You would think that like. You know, okay, they at least maybe want to tell us that this part of the movie he's going to be in. The fact that they don't want to tell us anything, again, it's like it, it, we get going back to multiverses and things. I mean, this is going to be a massive, massive movie. I mean, look, I've, I've mentioned it multiple times on this show. The secrecy behind Doctor Strange is unlike anything I've seen on any superhero movie. They We haven't seen a single a single set photo single piece of promotional material single piece of concept art well I, well we there is there is some concept art out there uh of like just wanda you know <laughs> wanda and, and dr Strange and stuff but like though no, i mean it was so bad they said first of all they said they 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 were like covering themselves on on set like they had like screens to, pre- to prevent any sort of photos from being taken um as they walked through throughout the set but then it was so bad the doctor that uh benedict cumberbatch was on a zoom conference for something completely unrelated and he wouldn't even show his face while he was filming the movie <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was you know it clearly there's there's this movie is going to um it's clearly there's reasons behind this amount of secrecy you know there's going to be stuff in this movie that marvel wants people having no idea that it's coming um you know, I don't know if it's WandaVision where it's like, oh, all these secret people are gonna show up and no one shows up, or something else. But yeah, this this movie is, um, this movie's gonna be crazy. And then you think about the Spider Man aspect of it, because Spider Man's another movie that's been a ton of secrecy as well. And the fact that both of these movies have had, we we really don't know anything about it, um, beyond leaks and you know reports, but almost nothing official is is interesting. Other than the fact that they're connected, and that they're yeah. connected to Wandavision, everything else that we've gotten from this movie is all centered around Wandavision. Now I almost wonder if it, that played yeah. a little bit into why Doctor Strange didn't even show up in Wandavision. Like, you know, adds to the mystery of it. I mean, it does, yeah. Why, but it adds to the mystery of it. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think in some ways it's like it's again, it's it's like it's hair a mess because. Or it's like, you know, damn, do damn, we don't. Because, like, yes, it does add to the mystery, but you'd also think, well, you could actually build the hype up better if you actually do stuff. Like, yes. like remember, like, when we talked about, um, what was the story we did recently where I was shocked that people didn't know this information? Something we Fantastic did talk Four, about. Uh, yeah. Being a trailer. Yeah, Fantastic Four, yeah, being in that sizzle where people were like, Fantastic Four in the MCU? I'm like, what rock were you living under? But yeah. people just don't, they don't, again, they don't follow this stuff like we do. And, there's a concept and there's an idea sometimes that I know I say it all the time. I feel like I broke a record on this pod probably to the audience, but this is the idea that, oh, like everyone knows the information that we know. And it's like, no, like, in fact, very few people do like it, it's kind of crazy that like, yes, it's a lot of people in like a vacuum, but like still the small amount of people like are the people that hold Marvel accountable in regards to like stories and things like that and continuity and so many other people just don't know, don't care, don't understand, but they just like to be entertained and they enjoy the films. 
Uh, but this stuff that they're doing with, like, not telling us anything, I mean, yeah, it'll be crazy when you see the first trailer, but part of me wonders if you could have built up more anticipation if you actually did stuff in these other projects to make us awaiting these appearances. Now, whenever we see this No Way from no way Home trailer, I mean, I it's going to be insane. Like, it's going to be insane. I feel like the Doctor Strange trailer is going to be insane, but, like... You only, you only. It's like, do it's like, it's like, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like they're doing it so that the trailer is just fire. <laughs> like, to not show also, us and tell us anything. It's like, y'all just trying to ensure that this, like, when this trailer drops, that, like, nobody's talking about anything else. Which, but I mean, also, there's, there's, there's value to that, but it's a me, dangerous game because it is. It's also dangerous because, as we've seen with Spider Man, they've let the hype train get so out of control that. If we don't see the Sinister Six with, you know, six villains from all different universes <laughs> and we don't see every version of Spider-Man that's ever been on, on screen, people are going to be a little disappointed. I'm, I'm disappointed. This, this movie is not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted. And that's, that's, that's their fault. That's their own fault. They, they, you know, I didn't think that this would, that, that, that would be what the Spider-Man movie was going to be. It, it would, would, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you know, there's still time, but if the Secret Z continues and that trailer comes out and there isn't, like, any hint of any sort of multiverse stuff, people are going to be like, man, that was disappointing. So, you and know. I know they, that sounds harsh, people, but, like, we're not saying that we feel that way. We're just saying that's what's going to be said. Yes, because that because when you don't say anything about the movie or you don't, do, you don't yeah. show anything from the movie, again, more specifically, you don't say anything about the movie. It it becomes the the narrative then gets gets played out through reports, through leaks, through mm-hmm. rumors, through just fans, you know, fan suggestions. You know, none of it is is factual. So I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I I'm confident that the Spider Man trailer is going to be great and that they won't let people down on that on that front. Um, it's funny because the last thing I'll say about this is that the Spider-Man movie, I'm confident that I think that I don't think that Marvel wanted to do what whatever the Spider-Man movie is going to be. I don't think Marvel wanted to do it. That's my hot take. I think really? Sony. I think when Marvel and Sony had their disagreement after Spider-Man, ooh, after Spider-Man two, when they were like, "Oh yeah, that's it. We're done. We're pulling out." Yeah, that was good. We're like, Yo, wow, how are we now going to get the third Spider-Man movie? What I think happened was that I think Sony has long had this plan. That, and I think when they went to the table with Marvel, they told Marvel, this is what we're doing. We're, like, we're going to bring these people back. And I think on some level, I think Marvel understands that Sony has the leverage at that point. But that you Sony feel like so they, they, pitched, they pitched that beef as purely monetary you don't think that that is true i think because that's that's what you're saying right now i don't i think it is i think it was monetary but i think sony's leverage is the fact that they wanted to do this story that they wanted to do a movie with all three of them and marvel had and disney had to come to the table at some point because they couldn't just say Oh well, it's Sony. They'll be back. Like, 
Because <laughs> I mean, this movie with or without Marvel's involvement would have broke the internet. Yeah, yeah. This this movie could have been. Yeah, this movie would have been crazy regardless. Yeah, they didn't need the MCU sandbox to. And it's funny because remember when the first word was coming out was we don't think we need Disney. That's exactly. <laughs> Which sounded that's... crazy. When we talked, when we talked about it, we were like, "This doesn't make any sense." Like, right. The fact yeah. that Sony thinks that they can pull Tom Holland out of the MCU and that they can make a good Spider-Man movie without them, it, it sound it was ludicrous. But mm-hmm. if, but it also would have been ludicrous if you told me, "Oh, their plan is to bring McGuire and Garfield back and have every single one of their villains be the villain, be the Sinister Six for <laughs> for Spider-Man Three, Then I would have told you. Well, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but if it did, maybe it maybe you're right. Maybe they can do an extra another Spider-Man movie. And I think at that point, you're Marvel. You're like, all right, we'll play ball. You know, like you want to get in on this deal because you see like the money, you see the hype. Like there's no point. There's no point in fighting them at that point. And that's why we're seeing some sort of relationship where Marvel has been cultivated with Sony and Marvel, where now we see Mo- Morbius, you know, having having. Marvel characters, we don't know what the deal with Venom is going to be, but, I, you know, there's the connection that it's obviously going to have with, Spider-Man's obviously going to have with Doctor Strange. I think all of that came about afterwards. But that's my theory on the situation. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I think that it's, it's possible. Um, man, I'm just looking at Sam Raimi's. Thing. I mean, he did Spider-Man three in two thousand and seven. He's only done two movies as a director since. It was Drag Me to Hell in two thousand and nine, and it was Oz the Great and Beautiful in two thousand and thirteen. Man, when last time Joe Gibbs coached the football team? <laughs> <laughs> probably, around, probably around last time we saw a, a Sam Raimi directed movie. But yet, <laughs> nine years later, somehow. Feige thought that this was the guy to do this film. This is very interesting. And and he's the guy, he's so much the guy that we will rewrite our entire script so it, it will work. I'm just saying. That's a lot to take in. Um, let's move on now, though. Let's talk about Anthony Mackie. So he plays, of course, Sam Wilson in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spoiler alert here, but if you don't know this, you, again, you're probably living under a rock. But in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, we saw Sam officially take on the mantle of Captain America uh, in that series. And we know that there will be a Captain America 4 movie that eventually will come out. That was reported, not officially confirmed by Marvel, but um, that is the plan, apparently, to have a movie starring Anthony Mackie as Captain America moving forward. Mackie uh, was talking to, uh, I believe he was a Variety, and he was asked about uh, his future as Captain America. And his quote was here, quote, I definitely don't want to be a 55-year-old Captain America. So I've got about a solid six to eight years in me. So there you have Mackie. I know it's kind of a casual comment, but it is interesting that he even himself had like a little bit of a timeline for how long he would see himself playing Captain America. That timeline being six to eight years, I'm assuming, from now. Kendall, does that timeline make sense to you? given where things are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the plans for Captain America moving forward? Um, when I first read the, the, when I first read the comment, the quote, I was a little, a little taken aback because I'm like, man, you know, 68 years, like, in Marvel time, 
you know that that doesn't feel that feels like in the that feels like the foreseeable future. It's not, but it, that's what that's what it feels like when you say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm only going to be here for six to eight years." Like, imagine if, you know, imagine Patrick Mahomes said, "I, I only got six to more, six to eight more years." You're like, wow. Now Patrick Mahomes is much younger than Anthony Mackey, uh, but that is the that 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 is the initial thing. Um, at the same time. You know, when you again, when you step back and you think about it, Anthony Mackey's forty-two. Um, he says he doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to play a fifty-five-year-old Captain America, and that—I mean, I get it. That that logic makes sense, um, and that would be. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I want a thirty fifty-five-year-old Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Now, look, six years and thirteen years. There's there's a, there's a difference. You know, you can split the difference a little bit. <laughs> um. But even then, you know, I, I don't know if we're going past 50 for Anthony Mackey. And that's like how many because when you think about it beyond the age and the actor, like story wise. We've already seen a good deal of Anthony Mackey, Sam Wilson character. Uh, we know we, we have Captain America four coming up, but how many. Like how many more Captain America movies are we getting? You know, I, I would think no more than two. And then beyond that, it doesn't mean he can't play a role at all, as we've seen with Iron Man, with Captain America, with Thor. Like, right. He's a part of the Avengers. He can show up in other movies. I'm not saying that, you know, we won't ever see Captain America again. He won't play a large role. But in terms of individual Captain America stories, I feel like we've seen almost every Captain America villain. Now, the rumor that someone put out, I don't remember, I don't remember who, who was put out by, I want to say maybe Fandom Wire, but uh, I could be mistaken, but the rumor is that the villain for Captain America 4 is going to be Red Skull's daughter. Um, that was maybe a week, two weeks ago. Um, but beyond that, like, beyond Sin, who at some, who I believe she was also at one point part of the Serpent Society, which goes back to my theory on that. Yes. But beyond her beyond the serpent society we've seen almost every captain america villain i i <laughs> i looked at an article the top 10 captain america villains and like we've seen nine of them you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. like it's 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 not it's not super expansive so i overall i don't think we're going to see a whole lot of captain america so to me i, I think this timeline when you first read it you first read it you get upset because we all love anthony mackie as, as, as sam wilson but six to eight years is kind of a long time that, that that could be three four movies that we see him in. Yeah, no. Um, I, I actually also, by the way, like the idea of Sin as the next uh, Captain America villain. You know, I know it'll be uh, interesting to go back to back female villains if you count Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I, I think that that would be a good pick. Uh, in regards to Mackie, yeah, I mean, again, I think you're right. To me, if you're talking about realistically how many Captain America movies you see with Anthony Mackie. Two feels like the right number. You know, maybe you do another trilogy, but you have to really mix, get a lot of movies in. If you're talking about uh, definitely a six-year window, I don't know if that's possible. Eight-year window, you could you have a chance to get three win- movies in maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think six to eight is fine. I think Captain America has now shown in the comic books now, uh, it's been a mantle that can be passed on to various people. Uh, it's not like we've had a million Captain Americas, but I mean, we've had... Sam Wilson, we've had Bucky Barnes, of course we've had Steve Rogers. Um, 
And I think we'll have more people who become Captain America over the years. Uh, I don't think that this is someone that has to be one figure forever. Um, John Walker. Yes, and we've had John Walker. Yes, that's true, too, technically. So, um, and so just like in the history of the comic books, I, I think that this is a, a fluid situation where you're not necessarily going to look at the same person at, at all times. I also feel like six to eight years is a perfect time for you to somehow find a way to bring uh, recast this D Rogers back into the mix. If you wanted to go back to that route somehow. Right. Or if you wanted to, you know, chill with Captain America for a while and just move on with other heroes. Maybe as Patriot take, uh, maybe if he doesn't take the mantle, maybe, you know, he replaces he would, him. In, he becomes a Captain America like figure, you know, in exactly. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, uh, and like, again, <laughs> we talk about all these things. Who's to say that you know the X Men mutants won't become kind of more in the forefront? So it won't be we won't be worried so much about where Captain America is because we'll be talking about Wolverine and you know and Magneto <laughs> trying to you know protect Genosha like like right. things change over time. So this right. idea that well we need to have a Captain America who's there forever, you know Steve was around for you know or you know Chris Evans is Steve Rogers was around for you know about ten years, and I think that you know I don't know if. Mackie needs to be around for also another 10 years. Uh, you could probably do something close to that or a little short of that, which is where 68 lies. So uh, I think that's a funny, that's a good number. I think his line was funny that, you know, I don't want to be a 55 year old Captain America. I'm not necessarily looking for a 55 year old Captain America. So I think all parties would win if that. Well, is the only person looking for a 55 year old Captain America is Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, touche, uh, Kendall, touche. Did you ever, I, t- I told you that picture of, um, uh, no, that obviously that that harrowing scene, which again, spoilers if you've not seen, uh, uh, what's the name? But the hor- one of the harrowing scenes regarding John Walker's Captain America, uh, and 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 his uh, his methods of dealing with with, with right, terrorists, right, right. and one of his uh, and one of the pictures, it said, you know, uh, Zack Snyder's Captain America. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> see, you see the line where. Zack Snyder was doing an interview and he said that he wants to, uh, he would be open to doing a Dragon Ball Z movie. Um, and someone, someone had a, someone had a picture of, of a Goku, a Goku statue, um, in Dragon Ball, I think it was in Dragon Ball GT or was at the end of Dragon Ball Z and it had false God written on it. <laughs> it's like, Goku's sitting there smiling. It's like, you <laughs> I mean, look, Zach is Zach is is very much like he thinks of movies and the worlds he builds in his way, and it's just funny. Like you know, some people will take offense to this kind of, but I think these like kind of things are funny because like because of the way he makes movies and the way he thinks. Like it, it is very easy to parody, you know, with these like yeah. very different things. Um, but uh, let's uh let's uh move on uh, and let's actually go to DC now for a story that again I think. Definitely rub some people the wrong way when we got this word. So we know that um, DC is moving forward with a lot of uh, new movies in the future. Um, there was a New York Times article, I think, earlier this year that referred to them as, quote, riskier propositions like Static Shock and Batgirl. Now, those uh, films will be going to HBO Max exclusively, which I think now in hindsight, like when I heard this new story today, like it may now I understand why people are mad. Because when I heard when we heard about it back then, it sounded fine. Because it's like, oh yeah, like I'm not trying to run to a theater. Like, of course, there are gonna be movies that are gonna go straight to streaming. But now that things are starting to open up, and there's really is confidence that like maybe we are kind of uh, it's knock on wood, but like nearing the end 
of the pandemic. Now when you hear movie going only to streaming service, uh, it does make you kind of pause in terms of uh, what exactly is the, uh, the, the what, what kind of confidence are you really putting behind these films? Yes. And what, what kind of resources are you giving? Yeah, what kind of resources are, are happening there? And we got some answers, again, uh, not necessarily all of them were, were exciting. So the Los Angeles Times noted uh, in a large article about Warner Media and HBO Max and where things are going. That quote, uh, Warner Brothers has mid-budget DVC movies on the way for streaming. That would include Batgirl and Blue Beetle. So Batgirl, we had heard before, and and, and Static Shock that we heard before. But Blue Beetle now, a film that we we knew was coming, and we heard about this film happening, but we did not hear about it being only a a, um, a HBO Max property, and what they're now calling a mid-budget DC movie. That that has some people uh, a little bit concerned and and kind of wondering why a, a, a movie like Blue Beetle won't go to um, big the, the big movie theaters, but films like Aquaman two and the Batman and Black Adam uh, will be you know a, a theater uh, feature film. Kendall, I mean, is, is this a big deal to you? Do you think it's no deal? Like, what do you think? What do you make of Blue Beetle going exclusively um, to HBO Max? I think, uh, look, big deal is like, I mean, you know, I I, I don't want to overreact just because, like, I mean, big deal in the in the in the grand scheme of what, you know, I think it's a, it, it's a deal, you know, <laughs> that's what I'll say. I'll say it's 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 a deal in the sense that, um, when you talk about a movie like Blue Beetle, look, if you told me you're doing a mid a mid budget background movie, I would say that makes sense, you know, I, like. I don't know if I need Batgirl to be a super high budget movie. You know, I don't need two hundred million yeah. to make Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Um, Static Shock. Initially, I would say I would need a bigger budget, ideally, but at the same time, I've also said that a Static Shock would work better as a television series. So, mm-hmm. inherently, that means smaller budget. So, I think right. you can do Static Shock with a with a mid budget. I would just make it a TV series, not a movie. But. Um, when you think about Blue Beetle, I just feel like a mid-budget Blue Beetle movie sounds sounds like uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. It it sounds like a recipe for disaster is what it sounds mm. like. And that your concern being their ability to to uh, effectively do the effects needed. Yeah, to pull I mean it that's off. A movie that, that is going to need. If you're talking about dealing with alien technology, mm-hmm. um, potentially alien villains. Maybe it won't be alien villains, but you know, could be potentially alien villains. Having a mid budget, having a a, a, a mid level budget, it seems. I don't know. It just seems like you're not giving it again all of the resources and attention that it needs to succeed. Um, and it's penny pinching when when you go to Disney, all of their Disney Plus projects. I don't want to say all of them in the sense that like every single thing that's come on Disney Plus has been you know, big budget, but all of the Marvel and Star Wars stuff has been big budget stuff. Like, they haven't penny-pinched when it came to any of that stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can talk to me about Artemis Fowl, you know, being, you know, small budget or whatever other live-action series they have going on there. But, yeah, to me, it, it's bad optics, obviously, when you talk about Static, Batgirl, and, and, and Blue Beetle all going. It's, it's awful. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible optics. Um... 
And like, if you wanna, if you wanna say, oh well, they're not, they're not like huge, they're not huge characters. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's I would, I would argue that I would argue that I would argue that Static Shock and Batgirl are more recognizable than certainly like, Adam. Now that look, look. If you want to tell me that's a rock, so that's a different. All right, but you made him the rock. Like it, if I, I don't know, if I made like, who's the biggest actress in the world? Like I made them Batgirl. It wouldn't. It would be the same thing. Yeah, that would be that. That's a movie level, and it'd be much bigger because again, I would argue that Batgirl is is more recognizable. Like right, Static Shock definitely more recognizable among black people. Yeah, right. You know. So yeah, if you want to argue, well, maybe not Blue Beetle, but I, I think it's close. I don't think it's like a blowout. I, I probably lean Black yeah. Adam maybe a little bit, but I mean, and to in the me, modern, yeah. in the modern thing, like everybody that's under the age of thirty is going to recognize those characters more than Shazam. You know, for being yeah. honest, you know, like maybe not Blue Beetle again, but maybe Blue Beetle. There's going to be a lot of people that that would know who Blue Beetle is and not Shazam, but maybe not. The, the larger society but but yeah no i mean to me it's it's and it's just it's it's a weak argument when you talk about like the guardians of the galaxy the suicide yeah. squad like you can make you can make stars if you make a good movie but like this idea that it's got to be some huge huge character that doesn't make any sense when again if you don't if you're not using a huge character put a huge actor behind it like it's 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 not, it's, it's hollywood 101 so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah this uh yeah I mean the more that I sit with this you know it doesn't it doesn't smell right to me. Um, you mentioned it and I'll repeat it. I mean to me this optically is ridiculous. Um, that it, to me in twenty twenty one that one immediately looks at this and says this, this is fine is wild that uh, the female led. Black-led and Latino-led movies are not good enough for the theaters. They have to be put on our streaming service, and they should—they don't deserve the budget that these other movies have. It's just crazy. Now I know they have Wonder Woman, so it's not like they don't have another female. But still, I mean that—they're that, doing the Superman, you know. Which I, we have our own questions about what's the what's the situation behind that, what's the motivation behind that. But it's just to me though, it's just even like. And I know it's again beating a dead horse, but like it goes back to our philosophy of like, so you rather, you know, put the 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 legacy of someone who's been portrayed as a white man. Let's keep it hundred. I know Zayn Ali, but he's been portrayed as a white man. You rather put the legacy of that onto a black man to make more money and be more palatable than just introduce a black character to wider audiences in the big on the big screen. Like, and it goes back to that article, which, again, I always want to give Hamada some bail where it's not a direct quote, but when they use the word riskier propositions to talk about Static Shock and Batgirl and those projects going to HBO Max, now you add the first Latino superhero. He's also part of those riskier projects. I don't Again, I don't know if, if, they, if that was New York Times taking on what, Hamada was telling them, or if that's just them writing their own thing. But if that's how they're, to me, they're acting like they, they act like they think these are riskier prospects. Because like when I look at like what how they're treating them again, mid budget, mid budget movies. I don't see why the Batman has to have such 
more of a bigger budget than Batgirl. Like, no. Nah. Like, why would you need a bigger budget for that? There's no reason. Um, I don't know why you need a bigger budget for Static Shock. Like, like, and that's I know that's only one film, but again, some things just don't smell right about this. And I, I, I you know, I, I do, I, I hold some concerns about mid-budget Blue Beetle. I, I, I can, you know, we're really far advanced with CGI and things like that. I, I'm assuming, and maybe I'm giving them way too much credit, but I'm assuming that they'll do enough to make sure they can pull this off credibly. And that it's not going to be, we look at this and say, man, that budget stunk. And that's why this movie stunk. I, I'm assuming they've done whatever their story is, that the idea they have, they feel like they have budgeted the money correctly to do what they want to do. But if the you're message totally Blue this, Beetle's not going to. The message this sends, though, is just, it's just, it's just awful. If you're telling me that this thing is, if, you, if you're telling me I can get a CW brand Blue Beetle, or like, if you're telling me that's what I'm going to get, then I tell you I would rather not see, not I won't say I'd rather not. I don't. Blue, I think I, I assume we're I gonna say, get something I'd better than not that though. See the Blue Beetle costume, like give me Jaime Reyes, and he's wearing a, a, a scarab that looks like a book bag. That's all I need. I don't need him. To no, I don't. Him. I don't want that. Don't, don't do Blue Beetle then. And you know that's then that Blue that's, Beetle that's, has that's one of the best costumes in all of superhero. Why I don't want to see that thing mess content. <laughs> I know, but to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna do Blue Beetle and not do one of the best costumes in all superhero comics and in, in, in media, then what are you doing? Then what are we doing this for? Yeah. Like, like, and you can say, okay, representation, okay, but you're putting them on HBO Max. So how much do you really care about that? You know, yeah. like you can't you can't have it both ways. So, I mean, I don't know. This this is this was this was. I see why it's being met with bad news. I see why people are complaining about it, and they have a right to be. You know, uh, yeah. shout out to Umberto uh, Umberto Gonzalez. You know, Heroic Hollywood. They tweeted. You know, uh, you know, Static Shock, Blue Beetle, and Batgirl are not risky characters for movie theaters, and they're just not. I don't see how these characters are more risky than Aquaman and and uh, and like Shazam. Yeah, like it definitely Black Adam. Like I don't. Well, look, again, black they're, they're, Adam, like I, again, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. But again, you're I'm saying they're making the Rock, but you could put a big actor to do any role. Like if you told me I was making Static Shock again, just name a big black actor who's young. I mean, look, I, I like, like if I made him, if he was Michael B. Jordan, it, it would work. <laughs> Newsflash. Right, right, right. And look, I mean, it's still, I mean, again, the Rock. I'm just gonna take the Rock out of the conversation just because he's. Right now, he's on another level in Hollywood where it's like, you know, if The Rock tells you, goes to the studio and says, I want to do this movie, <laughs> you're, you're going to do it. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But Shazam is the one that I really look at and I'm like, no one asked for this movie. They did it. It was better than I think a lot of people expected it to be. Certainly better than I expected it to be. No one really asked for a sequel, but they're doing it anyway. And they're giving that a budget. They're giving it an increased budget. You can tell because the suit, they just came out with a new suit and the suit is not, it's no longer, it's CGI now. It's no longer, you know, prosthetics like, mm-hmm. like it was before. But they gave me that an increased budget. And again, no one's asking for any of this. I don't say no one because I'm sure the movie has fans. Well, but, I mean, but, it's like a, but that's still been the whole, there's been one of the <laughs> issues I've had with Warner Brothers is 
they don't give the people what they want. They, right. they just they come up with stuff in their own head and then they just move forward with it. And some of these things that people have been asking for that they are getting, they're doing in these weird ways. Again, people have wanted Blue Beetle, Black, uh, uh, excuse me, Static Shock, uh, Batgirl. Like they wanted, they've wanted these projects. That is giving people what they want. They didn't want those characters. Those to me, those would be you know landmark kind of like releases. They didn't want them to be limited to streaming. Like that's not. And this idea, again, I want to cue them some bail and say maybe that's not how they think. But when the word is getting out there that it, they're being put on there because they are risky, it's just a bad look. And it doesn't give me much confidence that they're going to be treated with the respect they deserve. I really love um, that Soto is going to be working on this um, Blue Beetle movie. I really enjoyed his city movie, Charm City Kings. He definitely seems to be one of the up-and-coming directors in Hollywood. And like I have faith that this will be good because I feel like he's going to be on it, but I just it's, just it's just whack that like again they're doing all this other stuff that nobody's asking for, and stuff that we simply want suicide to do just simple. Squad. No one asked for a second Suicide Squad movie. Not saying it won't be good. It probably will be good. Everything I've heard is that it's going to be good, but no one asked for it. No one really wants to see it. <laughs> when they announced it, it was like, "Wow, are gonna, why are we doing this?" The first one wasn't that good. They're making, they're trying to find ways to 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 make it work, but no one asked for it. Yeah, and, and movies that people are actually excited about, particularly something like Static Shock, buried. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, like, it just it's just lack of ingenuity, man. It's just like, yo, like y'all really don't like. Yo, Static Shock and Blue... These could be massive films. Like, I don't know. May, like, maybe I'm just in a different universe and, like, I don't get Hollywood. But I think about, like, just how how energetic and how engaging those characters are. What, like, their, their, their powers, their personality, their costumes. Like, I'm like, this is just... You print the money. You gotta do it well. Nothing is not not to say that it's like easy, but you do this good, and there's plenty of source material to make it work. You could really have something on your hands. I did. They want to hedge their bets by not spending the bread and putting it on a streaming service. I'm like, like what? Like for for a move for a company sometimes that acts fearless in terms of the things that they will do that no one's asking for. They sometimes also to me they like manage scared. Like what are you scared of? You don't again, think like y'all don't think y'all can do the first Latino superhero on the big screen and make that a big deal with Blue Beetle? If y'all don't think y'all can do that, then what are y'all doing? From a like, business perspective, like why y'all? Like, I know you why know, you're doing, you're making money, but like why? Like y'all shouldn't be in the position y'all are in. From a business perspective, I think optically it also suggests that they may feel that characters like Blue Beetle and Static Shock are going to help drive. Uh, HBO Max, one hundred percent. But that's but that's where that they haven't, yeah. that they haven't probably done well. So but that's saying, also why I kind of got to give some of those people the Hispanic demographic, the Black demographic, we're struggling. You know, I don't know if that's the case, but that that's that. You no, know, it's possible. Even if struggling, maybe it's, they just want a boost. But regardless, that that's they're using these movies to get the boost that they want. Yeah, and, yeah, that's that's possible. It's just. It's just corny. Again, I don't want. I yeah, don't it's want, not a good way of going. I don't about like. It. You're a movie company. I don't want you sending 
movies to your streaming service because you didn't promote it right. Like, that to me is, like, that's super corny. Like, Disney's not doing that. No. Like, and I've been mad at Disney for not putting more movies on the stream, but they're not, like, like oh, we're going to put, you know, major movies on a streaming service and present it to you guys. Movie that we, that people have been asked for for years, but we're going to put it on the streaming service and I can put it in theaters. They and that'll help they went, give they us more bread directly. They, they made sure that we were going to get Black Widow in theaters. And I wasn't even for it, but they made it their business to make sure that Black Widow was seen in theaters. Because there's some there's some value and there's something to these creators and to the you know just kind of the keeping of history to be like no we our first female led hero we did our damnedest to get them on the big screen even when the world wasn't gonna allow it and there is at least some credit I can give Disney to that I, I still think they should have just put it on the streaming service because we would have understood there's no way with oh y'all doing this because it's, it's it's a female hero we would have said people are dying we get it. And we gotta yeah. continue the stories, but the, I can re, I can at least respect that, even if I don't agree. It's hard to respect this 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 rollout that that one. <laughs> it's hard to respect it on well, any level. We're coming out next year, man. They no like they're, they're they're doing it intentionally to to knock the movies. And again, look, if you're telling me this is what you're doing, I would much rather. If you told me they, that these were going to be HBO Max series, I would have no problem. Say Same. You know, but when you're doing like there's there is an extra level of of a shot of taking a shot. It, we come from an era, EJ, where pre pre streaming, like the straight to DVD movie was like a joke. Yeah, yeah, you were it was a clown show. If you made a movie, a feature movie that didn't come out in theaters, it's like oh, so that movie either stinks or has the lowest budget, or yeah, don't you know yeah, don't, don't waste your time on this. Yeah, unless you yeah, but you don't want, yeah, unless, unless you want a good laugh or you want to just you know kill kill, kill an hour and a half. And the joints are never that yeah. long. They're usually about an hour and a half, hour, 20 minutes. But a live-action movie that's not coming out on TV, and I know we're in a different time, but even then, what's the best live-action movie that, that's not Netflix? <laughs> like, what's the best live-action movie that hasn't come out on theaters? You know, I mean... It doesn't, also doesn't help that, like, a lot of these, pre-pandemic, a lot of these streaming movies that have come out on these streaming services have been just hot garbage. They haven't been great. Like, that, like Will Smith movie... Yeah, that Kevin Hart movie on Quibi, like which which is not even a thing anymore, like because yeah, like, like like that it's not a good precedent. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like uh, it, it the first if they like whenever again post pandemic when things are now back in theaters, whenever this movie whatever when one of these movies does great that'll be the first movie to ever do great on streaming on our only streaming service non pandemic lifestyle. Like yeah, there is there is not these bangers. In terms of like high budget movies that are being put on streaming services, so again, it just sets a bad precedent unless they do something heroic. And if they do, then they're doing something that's never been done before, which is fine. But it seems to only benefit them. Like it doesn't benefit anyone else. It doesn't benefit the creator. It doesn't benefit the characters. It doesn't benefit you no know, building an audience for these characters. The no, because you're not because you're not because you're not grabbing everybody. You're literally saying you got to pay me a subscription individually. To watch this film, like, you know, I, I, you know, I've seen that I've been more inclined to just give up the bread, even if I means I got to subscribe to something because I don't know. I'm just in a position where I just, I just want to watch it. I don't want to do illegal streaming or whatever. So I'll just pay this subscription. I got to cancel it in a month, whatever. Like, but a lot of people just see, order the subscription to watch a movie, and they're just like, get out of here. They're not. They don't even want to hear that. 
And the notion yeah. that, and they know that. So that, that, like you said, it's not helping the audience to do that. It's only benefiting themselves. It's the only. It's we're 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 not gonna. No money's going to no theaters. No theater fees. We're keeping all the bread. We're helping our own service by giving this content out, and that's it. And again, I don't know who this serves other than Warner. Warner. So, um, I initially wasn't. You know, when I first heard the story, I was like, oh, that's kind of messed up. And then I, I see some of this backlash, and now you know, the more I sit on it, it makes sense. I really get it. But uh, let's get to our last show before we get out of here, Kendall. So, um, Batwoman, we obviously, that season's been going on. And uh, we recently got our first look at Cameron Johnson suited up as Batwing. So, of course, Cameron Johnson plays Luke Fox on the series. And soon in the show, they'll be introducing Luke Fox, get into action as the Batwing character. They release uh, pictures of him in his crime-fighting costume. Uh, Kendall, your thoughts on the Batwing costume? Um, it's for the CW. It's solid, you know. Um, it's it's very good. I would say for the CW. I, if you told me this was Marvel, you told me this was DC uh, or Warner Brothers in terms of you know the movie division uh, or the DCEU, I I would I would pause. I would say I don't know if it's movie quality, but that, that's not the that's not the that's not where we're grading this movie, um, or where we're grading this suit. That's not the the curve that we're grading it on. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is a this is a good suit, um, in terms of making him Batwing now. You know, it seems probably a little premature, but I feel like the writers are at a point where I think they understand that they don't know how long the show's got, so they gotta they have to, uh, they've gotta they've gotta you know if they're gonna go down they're gonna go down swinging. And maybe the show, you know, maybe this will add a, a, an added juice to the show that they feel like it was lacking. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think this is this is great. Um, Luke Fox is probably my favorite character in the show. Um, you know, and if I probably if, agree with that, yeah. If he got his own Batwing show, I I would almost certainly watch it. So, um, him being another superhero, I mean, look, it's it's a little bit of the Berlanti model. It's not a model that I hate that we have to have, you know, the side characters be superheroes. I mean, it goes back to me, you know, obviously we're static shock fans. It reminds me of the Richie character, you know, mm-hmm. who ends up becoming gear, you know, like a lot of times the sidekicks and the, you know, the, the side characters end up becoming superheroes in their own right. So it's not anything new. Um, but the costume I like, you know, the progression of the character. I mean, I really like Luke Fox character, so I'm not going to I'm not going to say I hate it. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I like it. I like the costume. Um, I think you know. Again, for CW standards, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty close to uh, comic book adaptation. So you know, you're always looking for that connection there. And I feel like as soon as once they announced that Luke Fox was going to be in the show, I think the uh, you know the first thoughts were all right. Well, you know, when will we get you know Batwing? Because it's like really to me, you know, we always think of kind of. Batman and Iron Man, the parallels there. And to me, this is like truly your full fledged, you know, look into like what that would look like with uh, Luke Fox, you know, a genius who is in a suit of armor and fighting in Gotham City. Like that is pretty much what we have. So, um, so I dig it. I think, I think Cameron Johnson has done a, a heck of a job. There is a trope there with, you know, sidekicks becoming heroes. But I, I think Cameron has been so strong that this could perhaps be 
uh, a little bit of a, of a jolt to the show that maybe they had been missing for some time. And I think that what helps too is because we don't have Kate Kane anymore. Now you do have someone out there fighting these streets with a true connection to Bruce Wayne. And I think that that actually does add value to anything that's happening as well. You'll have plenty of bat woman villains, but you know, you're in Gotham city. So I'm sure they will also introduce some other bat villains that they want to mix in every now and then, just like this season centered around black mass and having Luke Fox out there with, you know, him having assumingly, assuming to have some kind of history with some of these people. I think that'll be a, a good uh, wrinkle. So I, I like the costume. Um, I really don't have too much negative to say about it. I know some people complained about the helmet. Maybe it could have been a little thinner, but uh, I mean, besides, I mean, but some of the stuff, comic stuff is hard to, you know, really pull off. And um, I think given what we've come to expect from CW, I think this was pretty good. I think the, the shot where he's holding the, the helmet, he looks great. Like it's, it's just, yeah. you really couldn't ask for much better. So, um, so yeah, I, I dig the costume, and I'm I'm a I'll be looking to see when they uh, debut him as a Batwing. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. Uh, we had a great time chatting about these com- these uh, topics. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media, where once again, our Loki um, episode recaps and reviews will be posted on that channel. We recorded our first one. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday. We recorded that uh, review show on Wednesday. So that will be up, if not, you know, in the morning on Thursday, sometime, uh, you know, later in the week, definitely before the weekend. So make sure you guys check that out. That's our Loki recap. And, uh, of course, you can find that on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Find us individually on social media. Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Once again, thank you guys for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.